Hi there, listeners. It's Farnoosh. And I just want to say I'm really honored that you've chosen to subscribe to So Money. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. The fact that you're here is not lost on me. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes and you're benefiting from the advice and you want more, I've actually created something really special for us. It's called the So Money Members Club. It's an online platform where you can connect more closely with me and engage with fellow So Money fans who want to become more empowered in their financial lives. The website is So Money members.com. And when you go there, you'll learn all the benefits, including exclusive monthly finance workshops, private group calls with me. You get your questions answered in our member community. I'm often in there weighing in, and you get instant access to all of our workshop recordings. We have a robust library that's growing so far. We've had workshops on investing in real estate, kids and money, and how to earn more in 2024. And most of all, it's fun, positive, encouraging, all the things personal finance should be. Go to somoneymembers.com and I hope you'll join us. I'm limiting enrollment and doors will close soon. Check out somoneymembers.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hosting the So Money Podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money Members Club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Money episode 1606, the best of 2023, our pursuit of enough. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. As we close out 2023, we're looking back on some of the financial themes explored on So Money. And it's been a bit of a tradition here to revisit the shows this time of year that really moved us and made us reflect on our own choices, our goals, choosing discussion topics for So Money. It comes down to a combination of factors. One, it's me hearing from you about what you want to learn and then designing episodes around that. And then it's also seeing where we're at in the world, current events, trends, new books and kind of just the general mood like burnout or uncertainty, fear. 
I think it's important to talk about money at the intersection of all of these things, because as I say, when we're talking about money, we're really talking about life. And one theme that seemed to be a bit of a pattern in 2023 on this show, and one that was of great interest, was around this idea of defining enough. What is enough? Is it a number? Is it a feeling? Is it both? How do we achieve it? What's the work? And why does it feel so unattainable? From Aaron Lowry, author of the Broke Millennial series, to Manisha Takor, author of Money Zen, and Kristen Keffler, who wrote the book, The Myth of the Silver Spoon. Our So Money guests this year offered perspectives and research around this concept of enough, a goal that feels to be a never-ending pursuit for a lot of us. Let's begin with Manisha Takor, whose book, Money Zen, The Secret to Finding Your Enough, dives deep into this topic. It draws on science, and the stories of a wide range of experts, including Manisha herself, to show how we can calculate for enough by putting meaning back into our lives and eradicating the soul-destroying belief that self-worth is net worth. This excerpt is from episode 1549. You, you write about how often when we talk about enoughness, we go straight to the numbers. What's your financial enoughness? What's your, what's, yeah. how much in your bank account would be enough for you? And that you say is missing an important first step, which is we need to really be focusing on more foundationally emotional enoughness. Can you, can you talk about the two differences and, and what is the, the homework, I guess, or the, the work work yeah. that we need to do to, to understand emotional enoughness? I feel like I'm kind of there. And maybe we can talk about that later. Like I'll talk about my own evolution to this. And I do think time helps. I do think making a lot of mistakes, <laughs> getting dr- drowning through hustle culture, like, you know, if you can make it to the other side, it's quite the awakening. But first, let's talk about emotional wealth that you talk about in the book. I think it's really important to, to unpack this. Yeah. So um, to put this uh, in context, there is a study that came out a long time ago, like when you and I were first um, really diving into the industry. And it said that $75,000 was the you know maximum amount that you needed to be happy and anything beyond that wasn't going to increase your happiness. And most of us who are living on the East or West Coast at that time rolled our eyeballs thinking like, yeah, you're not raising a family on on that very easily. And recent research out of Penn shows that that study is not true, but it's it's wrong, not for the reason a lot of us would assume that the number is too low, even though you'd have to inflation adjust it to get it to you know a number for today. But because what they found was once your base financial needs are met, once you have financial health, incremental earnings beyond that do not increase your life satisfaction if you do not have concurrent with the foundation of financial health, a foundation of emotional wealth. And, you know, it makes sense when you stop back. It's it's. Um, if the two forces together are are synergistic, and I think about it a lot like Maslow's hierarchy of the needs and our financial health, it, the, the numbers around it differ for everyone, but it's making sure that we are able to enjoy today and prepare for tomorrow and not be stressed out about it because we have been following your work for years and we know all the sound financial tactics to follow. The emotional wealth 
is all of the other stuff that makes life worth living. And I know that sounds really trite. And so um, if you'd like, I can tell you about a tool that I encourage people to use to start digging into that. Yeah, please do. And that doesn't sound trite. And I just think it's personal. I think it's hard to get into this um, without using examples. So maybe give us the resource and then tell us how you've done it. So there's a question that I have been asking people over the last 10 years as I've given talks or done different types of of, uh, economic empowerment workshops for women. And I ask people, you know, if you had Um, let's just say out of the sky, $10 million after tax drops on your head. And on the same day, you find out you have 10 years left to live. What are you going to stop doing? And what are you Mm going to start doing? Mm -hmm. And what I find after having asked this and literally, you know, I ask people to put this on index cards and I read them off anonymously. And now I have like a humongous stack of them. Uniformly, people would stop working and stop worrying Um, and um, uh, what they would start is um, enjoying their life, spending more time with family and friends, um, Mm -hmm. traveling, doing volunteer work, um, picking up a new language, learning an instrument and not caring what anyone else thought. I mean, by, mm-hmm. I can't tell you 90% of the answers are those things. And so when you drill down into those things, you know, like it, it, in my case, what I really want is a simple, simple life. I, I, I just want to enjoy small, small joys, like my coffee in the morning and the feel of the hot mug in my hands um, or the time to be able to read a novel and not feel guilty that I'm reading a novel. And most importantly, the time to spend with, with family. And those are the things that fall into that emotional wealth bucket. And up until now, I think a lot of us have felt we have to fill that financial bucket Um, those of us who struggle with the cult of never enough, we just fill that financial bucket before we can give ourselves permission to ease into the emotional wealth. We may go through the motions of the emotional wealth, but we're not really there because we're Mm -hmm. too hooked into that number, that enough number. Did you know that I'm a podcast host and also a mind reader? Because I know that you want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising costs of inflation, to pay off your debt or your mortgage. You want to attack pretty much anything standing in the way of you and your financial freedom, right? Well, here's one solution, more knowledge. This podcast helps, I hope. And you can use Yahoo Finance, where you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need to help reach your definition of financial freedom. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, and I know because I worked there for many years, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, customizable charts, so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. 
You want a bra that's sexy. You want a bra that's comfortable. You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes so you can see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. The weather's getting warmer as I record. It's a nice 73 degrees on the East Coast. So finally, time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and fingers crossed hello to shorts and tees. And I need to update my wardrobe for the long haul. And you know, I don't want to spend a fortune. So luckily I found Quince. I'm honest. I've got a lineup of timeless pieces from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karakul jewelry, and tons more. Best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I have t-shirts from Quince, pajamas from Quince, my very chic and fashionable sister-in-law, Hannah, her whole closet is Quince. And people often stop us and ask, where did you get this? Don't tell me the price. And then when I do, they're shopping on Quince.com. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash so money for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so money to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so money. So in short, we need to put mind over math in our pursuit of achieving enough. That was Manisha Takor, episode 1549. This year, we also caught up with finance expert Erin Lowry on the heels of releasing her latest financial guide called the Broke Millennial Workbook. And in our convo, Erin and I, we discussed how to figure out if and when we're making enough. You know, offline, Aaron and I were friends and we have this conversation from time to time over a meal. And so I wanted her to share those thoughts with our audience and I share mine too. And the thing that Aaron and I agree on is this importance of practicing boundaries to achieve 
a comfortable level of enough, a satisfying level of enough, and how enough means protecting your mental well being in the pursuit of financial gain. It's not easy, but that's the intention for us at least. How do you figure out when you're when you've made enough or when you have enough, especially I think this comes up in the creator world and the entrepreneur world where it's like, you're only as good as your last year. And if you make as much as last year or less, then you're not going, you're not succeeding. And so we often tie success to how much we earn. And like, of course, if you want to be more successful, you need to earn more. But that that calculus is fraught. And I wonder when it comes to knowing enough for you, and you can just speak personally to this, Erin, you, know, you don't have to give people all the advice, but like for you, what is the calculus for determining financial enoughness? It's such a loaded question. I know, right? Because, With three minutes left. No, I'm kidding. Take yeah, as much time as you want. <laughs> so... I experienced, and I feel like this is now a zeitgeisty thing to say, but I had really atrocious burnout before the pandemic happened. (laughs) And that didn't help make it better. And it's been about a two-year healing experience for me. And in that, a lot of it was recognizing how much of my personal worth was tied up not as much in my net worth, but in my business success in book sales, in media hits, in who knew me, in Instagram followers. And it's kind of funny that you bring up TikTok because I made a very conscious decision not to get on TikTok. So if you're seeing any broke millennial on TikTok, it's a fraud. I did that because... I knew it was going to come with financial consequences. I knew that it meant far fewer brand partnerships, but I also knew that I didn't want to keep going after brand partnerships because it wasn't what, to sound trite, filled my cup in terms of both personally and professionally. It's not the kind of work that I enjoyed. And I'm not going to lie and say that it's always easy for me to see people who have really taken off and made a ton of money off of pursuing that. But on the flip side, I also feel like I am at a much healthier mental place than I've been in in years. And a big byproduct of that was reducing the amount of time I spent online, reducing my exposure to things that I found professionally triggering you know, there's certain people that were constantly getting gigs that I was up for too, or getting things that I wanted to do. I muted them for a period of time. I didn't unfollow them. I just made it so I didn't see their content every time I got on social. Then I started just getting on less and less. And it's been interesting on the flip side, being out here having to promote a workbook, I have to be on more and I see the immediate impact on my mental health. Mm -hmm. And to me, I don't have a financial number yet that indicates financial independence because I don't have all the information about like, if we're going to have kids, the number is going to change drastically. And if we're going to stay in New York City long term, that number is going to be a lot higher than if we moved to somewhere else in the country. I have some numbers, but mostly I have my bare minimum number, which I think is honestly a little bit more helpful. I know the lifestyle that I want to live year to year and how much I need to earn to live that lifestyle. And that lifestyle does genuinely make me happy. So I don't need to be earning $3 million in a year. I need to be earning my bare minimum amount and I am living a very happy, fulfilling lifestyle. And that's where I need to focus. Oh, 
Oh my gosh. Can I give you a hug? Really? Everything you say is resonating with me. A hundred percent. That bare minimum. It doesn't sound sexy to be like, focus on your bare minimum. But if you <laughs> I've done that exercise because, and I, and I remember one day, um, <clears throat> I, you're right. Like I, I was so stressed before the pandemic too. I was like trying to start another business and I like was a brand new parent and um, I was chasing all these like shiny objects. And I was, I was, I think I was, you know, and it's okay. Like, I'm not saying I regret wanting to pursue television so much in my twenties and thirties. It taught me a lot about myself. I definitely got some cool opportunities out of it and it was sometimes fun, mostly not. Um, and I think ultimately that's what that was a takeaway for me is like, I have worked really, really hard. I've, I've been very thoughtful about money and my career and things haven't worked out as I, I, I like always wanted. Like, you know, when, and this was the thing when I was starting out, people were like, what do you want to, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I'm like, I just want to, I don't know. Is that okay? Like, I don't have, there were some people who were in our circle who were like, I want to help 10 million people. And I want to have, you know, three New York times bestselling books. And for better or worse, I never thought about my career in those metrics. I just thought I want to be doing what I like doing, make good money, but also be able to come home and not be stressed. And that didn't always happen because I was sometimes wrapped up in trying to, I think, show up in a way for others because I thought, I need to meet their expectations. You know, it's like, well, why didn't you get that? Why weren't you on the Today Show this morning? Or why, why didn't you get an immediate second book deal? And it's like, you know what? Because I'm living my life. You should start living your life too. Like stop looking at me and trying to figure out um, whether I'm being successful or not. That was so much pressure for me, you know, from the external world because the external world is impatient. And there are these sayings like you're only as good as your last fill in the blank. And, and especially then with social media heightening and everybody showing their highlight reels, it was just like, is anyone suffering out there? Is anyone having a bad day? Is anyone not getting opportunities or hearing rejection? Because that's a big part of it too. And I think it's so fake when people go on there. And I don't really like when people just talk about how much they make online because I think they're not talking about how much they spend and how much they're taking home. I did a post about this recently, which was like these entrepreneur lifestyle entrepreneurs that are like, I make seven figures. Okay. Well, show me your IRA. Like what's in your bank account. Yeah. And then you find out, you know, they're living to the rim and it's a, it's, it's a really toxic message. And sometimes um, you have to just, like you said, you got to mute mute those yep. accounts. But yeah. And that also applies to your personal life too. Like if you have someone that's just sort of triggering to you in your real life, but you also know like the hell it would unleash if you actually unfollowed them, just mute them. Yeah. That's fine. Or, you know, if you're going through something personally and this person is living some version of a life that you want to have. And again, that doesn't necessarily have to apply to money. You know, let's say if you're struggling with fertility issues and you have like four friends who are currently pregnant, mute them. So you don't have to see all the updates, whatever it is that works for you. I also just know that for me, not only is it about protecting my 
personal mental health, but it's also about protecting certain relationships in my life. So whether that's my marriage, whether that's relationships with friends and family members that like when I am with people, I want to be present with people. I don't want to be mining every element of my life for content and sharing every bit of my life. I get to control the access that people have to my life. And also you can't unshare things. That's always my advice when people reach out when they're starting out now and they're wondering, you know, building a brand or what have you. I say, just think very critically about what you put out there because you can't take it back. And if you're sharing other people's stories, particularly if it's a spouse or a sibling or a parent and you have a good relationship with them and want to protect that, vet the stories with them first. My husband gets approval of every little thing that goes up about him because Mm -hmm. it's his life too. Like he gets to also be in control of his narrative about it as well. That was my friend, Aaron Lowry from episode 1508. If you want to go back and catch some more. Finally, Kristen Keffler arrived on So Money back in episode 1550. Kristen works with affluent and enterprising families. Her book, The Myth of the Silver Spoon, explores our wealth culture. And at the core of what Kristen does is she studies our complex relationship with money. And in our conversation, she talks about why some of us sometimes don't want to strive for more. Could it be that we have a tainted view of what it means to be rich and wealthy? Our culture glorifies and demonizes the rich in almost the same breath. So how does that translate to the everyday person who's thinking about what enough could mean for them? How wanting for more might reflect on their character? Here's some of that conversation where Kristen and I discuss this tense relationship that we have around the idea of wealth in this country and what might be at the root of it. At the heart of it, culturally, we have a very conflicted relationship with money. Wealth is just an abstract and sort of turbocharged version of that because it is just the aggregation of money, which is you know more of the, the human scale daily interaction of it. Um, and so like that while, while, some of this work can feel like it's it's easy to discount. Um, I would say there's actually a whole lot more there for many more people than we think, and it, because it really is about our relationship with money. Um, yeah, whole envy, you know, sort of um, admiring envy that we have of the wealthy comes from that conflicted relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about this disdain that we have for people that are like uber wealthy or even just like have more than us. And I wonder if some of it also stems from, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, is like our world, our capitalist world seems to reward more people who are wealthy and punishes those that be of those of us who aren't resourced. And it's not because we're, you know, we're not better people or we're not trying hard enough. It just seems like we're set up to fail. And by we, I mean, those of us who feel as though we'll never get to sort of that, that rich place or that place of wealth and that, um, yes, wealthy people have problems, but also their problems are more easily fixed. And so there is this empath- empathetic disconnect, which I think that our system as in like our politics, our policies, the politics of the day, like our economic system, it just like, it doesn't make it easier for us to get closer as a culture. So like, before we get to the culture and the psychology of our culture, what do you think systemically feeds into this big problem of this bifurcation and this, like this division of like haves and have nots. And then the war really between the two uh, of seeing sort of like, well, you know, what do you have to complain about and, and the disdain and the sort of, I don't feel bad for you mentality. 
Yeah. And there's so much in there. I think um, I think you're right that um, I mean, we, we have an economic system that incentivizes and celebrates um, the growth of capital. Right. That's what capitalism is. It's like who has the right idea at the right time and and is willing you know, and able to leverage that idea. And I mean, the, the, it, the purely capitalistic system is designed for wealth creation. Like that's that's sure. what. It, that's what it right. incentivizes. Um, but like we, the thing I think that we need to, that, that is helpful to remember is that capitalism doesn't operate without people and people are humans. And, the, and it's like our human drives that, that bring either the, the goodness and the um, possibility to capitalism or the, the pure cutthroat, I'm going to get mine to it. And, so there, there is a cultural thing, and I know we're, we're not going there quite yet, but there, um, I think it's important to remember that, that, so I'm, you know, I'm sure that like an anthropologist or a sociologist would look at this and probably have some other really great data to bring to this conversation that, that I'm not, I'm missing because that, that's not my expertise. Um, but I, I do think that while maybe there are better economic systems that really support, you know, we can look at some of the European countries and, and that, that have sort of a lot more equality and are, are far more socially, um, they, the whole invests in the social good of the whole, right? And you can look at that and go like, wow, that would be, that's really incredible. We have the system that we have. And so my thinking has always been, how do you operate within this system instead of I, I can't imagine the day that we might have a different system. Maybe that will happen. I don't know if it will be in my lifetime. So how do you operate within the system that we have? And and I think that when I look at it through that lens, then I can get a little deeper and say, well, we have to, we have to change our relationship to money. Yeah. And we have to change our narratives around it being good or evil, something to seek mm-hmm. or something that those who have it must have done something or they in some way are um, you know, not worthy. That was Kristen Keffler, author of The Myth of the Silver Spoon, episode 1550, if you're interested in hearing more from that conversation. And that's our program for today. Thanks for going back in time with me and for all your loyalty this year as a listener. If you haven't yet, I'd love for you to hit that subscribe button so you automatically get episodes fresh out of the gate, especially with the new year. We have some incredible guests lined up. I would love to also read your reviews. You can share your feedback in the Apple Podcasts app. And starting in the new year again, I'll be selecting one person every week to get a free 15-minute money session with me. I'll see you back here on Wednesday when we're going to recap some of the best shows of 2023 around the topic of financial fear and anxiety and how to address our mental health as we aim to make good choices in our careers and our finances. Until then, I hope your day is so money. Hosting the So Money Podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money Members Club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. 
Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. You want a bra that's sexy. You want a bra that's comfortable. You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15.